Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The old hymn poses the question, what is the world to me? And the first stanza goes like this, what is the world to me with all its vaunted pleasure? When you and you alone, my Jesus, are my treasure. You only, dearest Lord, my soul's delight shall be. You are my peace, my rest. What is the world to me? Now, does this hymn ring true to you? Is Jesus truly your treasure? And if you say, yes, absolutely, all the time. Maybe we should all try and think about doing what Jesus asked the rich young man to do in last week's gospel lesson. So you might remember, a young man comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And then Jesus proceeds to talk about the commandments. The young man insisted, I've done all of these things. I've done them perfectly from my youth, even from my youth. So Christ gives the young man a commandment he cannot keep and shows him the limit of his devotion. So Jesus, looking at him and loving him, because he doesn't realize the poverty of his his, uh, uh, allegiance and devotion, Looking at him and loving him says this, you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, the young rich man went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Is Jesus truly your treasure? Immediately after this incident, we have our gospel lesson for today. After the young man goes away, Jesus looks around and says to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at Christ's words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You might say, you know what? Phew! I'm not really that wealthy. I'm good. I'm not really that rich. But in today's gospel, you'll notice that the discourse between Jesus and the disciples really struggles on the universal. It focuses on the universal struggle with finding contentment and identity in material things instead of finding our contentment and identity as members of the kingdom of God, as heirs of God's kingdom in Christ Jesus under the gracious rule and reign of our Savior. So as they are discussing this discourse, You'll notice that as Jesus responds to this problem about worldly wealth taking over our priorities, taking over our devotion, 
the, the disciples have a question. And the question is this. Who then can be saved? Not which rich person can be saved. But who then can be saved? Who then can be saved when worldly success and endless amusement and constant consumption become our life? And take up the bulk again of our devotion and identity. Who can be saved as we turn to money as the meaning of our life, even as the source of life itself? Who can be saved? And in response, Jesus says, with man, and he doesn't mean just rich, with all man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Now, I'm glad that that is in today's text. Because this is one of the most misappropriated, <laughs> misappropriated things from the gospel, things from the Bible that people quote. Right? When we hear all things are possible with God, a lot of times people's attention turns to worldly wealth again. To worldly things. God's going to help me get rich. All things are possible with God, right? I'm going to become a famous social influencer, right? All things are possible with God. God's going to help me find true happiness in the pursuit of anything and everything. All things are possible with God. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. All things are possible with God is a direct Answer to the question, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? It's a direct answer to that question. Acts 4.12 tells us that only through Christ can we be saved. Salvation is found in no one else, the Bible passage says, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. hard to believe, but the church year is almost done. The season of Advent is coming soon. And that always focuses as we get to the end of the church year on the end times. But we should always be focused on the end times. We should be focused on our end time. We do not know when our last day will come. We do not know when the Lord will return. And pastor last week talked about the necessity of not falling away from the living God, about urging one another in our faith, encouraging one another in the Christian faith. Part of that encouragement is adopting among ourselves not a keeping up with the Joneses attitude, right? I've got to show you how, how great I am, how wealthy I am, right? Not keeping up with the, a, a keeping up with the Joneses attitude, but instead sharing the contentment of the immeasurable wealth that you and I all possess in Christ Jesus as member of the communion of saints, right? The holy Christian church. And helping us to see those great riches that we all possess. It's a common malady that we face, right? 
balancing the good life and eternal life. King Solomon certainly dealt with it, and he does in the Old Testament lesson for today. And he's one of the wealthiest men in history, right? And he points out the limits of what worldly wealth can do, right? So he writes this, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, right? He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is vanity, right? So too much is never enough, right? There's never too much because that's never the way that it's perceived. It's never enough. There is no contentment. The message of the gospel, however, is quite different. Jesus, on the other hand, is more than enough. In him, you have everything that you need for eternal life, life to the full, right? You don't need to add on to what Christ has done. Our Lord has accomplished salvation. He has finished the work. It is done. It always will be. And what we could not do, what was impossible with us, is possible in Him. That's security. That's confidence. That's rich riches. Wealth creates other problems as well. You probably, we're not going to dwell on all of them, but you might notice that uh, Solomon kind of says when, and, and this is true, when you have wealth, others come to partake in it, right? Taste it, share it, even maybe plunder it, get it for themselves. And so he puts it this way. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, right? And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Watch out. The world is so hungry for worldly wealth, it will beg, borrow, steal, and do whatever it can to get those things. Jesus, on the other hand, tells us that as God brings together his people, a communion of saints, again, united under him as the head, united as members of his body, we walk together as a true family, right? And are, again, as Pastor alluded to last week, to support and encourage one another in the faith. So Jesus has a response to this when Peter talks about leaving everything to follow him. Jesus says, no, there, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, and mothers, children, and lands with persecutions and the age to come eternal life, right? A church family that is there to support. Wealth can divide, we know that. Create jealousy, create discord. The gospel, however, serves to truly bring us all together under Christ. And, and we're all on the same playing field, right? Falling short of the glory of God and need God's riches in Christ that he provides. God's riches that he provides at Christ's expense for us. We probably know that money is easily squandered, easily lost, easily burned through, whatever you want to say. King Solomon uses that example as well. He says, uh, 
You know, there's, it gives us example of someone who gets into a bad business venture, loses a lot of money, no longer has wealth to pass down. We know that things can run dry, right? Very easily. You can go through it very easily. We're trying to teach Jacob, he's got um, a debit card now, and trying to teach him that uh, those things are dangerous. Yeah. God's love for us in Christ Jesus, though, never runs dry, does it? Never, never runs out. His mercies are new every morning. And the scriptures encourage us to pass that message down to our kids. Right? To pass down the faith to our children and our children's children. Because that is a true heritage from the Lord. An inheritance that will never spoil, perish, or fade. And finally, Solomon reminds us that wealth does not really provide any lasting comfort, worldly wealth, ongoing comfort after death. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, Solomon writes, naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Once we die, worldly wealth has no bearing on our security, on our comfort, on our identity. We can't pay off our sins. We can't stave off our death. We cannot buy our stairway to heaven. We cannot bribe God. No, Jesus went and made a place for us so that we can go where He is. Where He is, we can be also. He spilt His precious blood for you and for me. A sufficient ransom for us. Who then can be saved? You can. You are. All things are possible with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember, that is a direct answer to the question, who then can be saved? I know it's, it's the constant struggle in our life. The good life versus eternal life and balancing that out. We want for ourselves, I hear it constantly, I want my kids to have everything that I didn't have. A good education, a good job. I don't want them to want for anything. Good friends. Chance for a good life. Great. We do so much to protect that and to invest in that. We do a lot to provide for growth and learning for our kids. Great. But the greatest thing that we can tell them that they possess is eternal life through the forgiveness of sins. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Him who you have sent, Jesus Christ, and know God as Savior, who gives us eternal life through the forgiveness of sins. And we dare not devalue that greatest gift that God has so graciously poured into our laps. Because through the waters of holy baptism, through the riches found in God's Word, through the feast that we together will partake in in the Lord's Supper, God does work riches in our hearts and our minds to cling to Him. To cling to Jesus. 
to embrace the true riches, the true value of Christ, who is the one thing truly needful for each and every one of us. With man, it is impossible to win salvation. It is impossible to treasure Jesus. But by God-given faith and through the power of the Holy Spirit, He will bring to completion what He has begun in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that we can rest now and in eternity joyfully and securely in our identity as God's children and heirs. So I'd like to do something right now that's a little bit more interactive. Don't worry. I know we're Lutheran. We kind of say, what? We're just going to sing the last stanza of, the, of a hymn, What is the World to Me? So let's do that. Amen. I may the peace of God which transcends all human understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.